eighth episode of Change Voices, our weekly podcast where we explore the challenges, successes and lessons of leadership through the experiences of diverse women leaders across Africa and beyond. I am your host, Paula Frey, CEO of Frey Intermedia, which seeks new ways to tell our stories. Our guest today is taking us to rural areas of Pakistan where she does groundbreaking work in peace building. Flight Lieutenant Kira Tulane Fatima is a co-founder of Women for Peace Tech. Kira Tulane works extensively in rural and conflict-ridden areas of Pakistan where she focuses on gender-inclusive development and conflict prevention. She was the first woman to join the Pakistan Air Force and the only Pakistani woman to serve in public service and the military. Now she works to include women's voices in community peace-building efforts and joins us online from Islamabad to outline how best to ensure that women are included in peace-building. So welcome, Kira. Welcome to the Change Voices podcast. Your journey to peace building has come via the Air Force. Won't you just give us a little bit about your career journey? I was one of the first women to join Pakistan's Air Force. And um, I've always been wanting to do things that were different. So joining the military as a first woman was something that I really aspired for. And I had served in Pakistan Air Force for eight years. And I was part of the war against terrorism, against Taliban that was happening in Pakistan at the time. And I joined in 2002 and onwards till 2009. I have seen a lot of uh, bloodshed and we were part of a lot of operational activities. And I realized during that journey, uh, dealing with a lot of communities that, that as people mentioned, that absence of violence is something that, that doesn't sustain peace. You have to build peace. You have to create positive peace. And for that, one has to work close with the communities. And that really inspired me after I completed my stint at the Air Force to join the civil services. And since then, I've worked with a lot of communities on conflict prevention and development. I mean, one of the really interesting things about about your work is the very deliberate action around peace building. So why is peace building important? I mean, surely it's sufficient that we're not at war, that there is limited violence in our communities. Yeah. I think as a general thing, peace is good for society and it's good for economy. And peace building is important because as I've talked earlier that absence of violence occurs when conflict stops and you start rebuilding and all that. But it is costly in, in a lot of sense because it's just not really a guarantee that it's sustainable. But peace building is important because it helps community resolve their problems without resorting to violence. And peace building is a very wholesome term. It's a very encompassing term that involves development, that involves inclusion. And as a whole, it's good for the progress of the society and for the communities as well. Secondly, it's good for the economy because recently there has been a lot of evidence that has shown that uh, amount that the communities and the world is spending on, uh, on rebuilding after the conflict is much more higher if it would have been spent on peace building. For example, I was reading this Carnegie report on Rwanda genocide and it points out that if the genocide had been prevented and peace building measures among communities would have been taken, then the cost cost of the conflict, apart from saving a lot of lives, would have been reduced by $2 billion that was used in rehabilitation and rebuilding processes. So what do you mean by the term peace building? What does it include? 
Um, for me, I think peace building is a very wholesome term. But for me, as I work with communities and I've seen that peace building in means helping and supporting communities resolve their issues and develop their communities. I've seen that communities are very smart. I mean, they know better than us how to resolve their problems. But sometimes they do not have the support or do not have the requisite resources to do so. And it is where these peace building measures come. And we can help as peace builders, as activists, as people working in the field, can help them utilize their potential to resolve their issues, basically. So, Kira, you actually work at the intersection of peace building and technology. Why, why those two issues? Um, it's very interesting. Actually, it was not a deliberate thing that I started doing that I was using technology for peace building. I was actually part of an organization that worked on water resource conflict and ways to map these conflicts, looking for efficient ways to map these conflicts. So we came across this geographical information system that simply is a system, is a technology that maps different things, conflicts, or if you want to map anything, it will create a trend or it will help you do analysis of something. So we used the GIS to map these water conflicts. And I realized that it made our life very much easier. It's so easy. It cut a cost. It cut a time that people had to go to the field and had to go and report the conflict. It made life easier for the farmers or the communities because everybody has mobile everybody has access to mobile a simple sms a simple text message and they used to report them they we could get feedback from them and for our teams as well it was very easy to use this technology to respond earlier rather than following traditional methods of peace building and one uh, very interesting thing that we weren't expected what happened was that women got involved in the peace building process because it was so easy for them to uh, use their mobile phones and talk to us being part of WhatsApp groups and others in very rural areas where there is a lot of restriction in mobility. And I think this uh, use of technology is more important for uh, minorities or for groups who face restriction of mobility that hinders them from doing things that can be easily done through technology and is safe for them. So that's really inspired me for using technology and I started working on tech and as a peace building measure. And that, of course, led in turn to you establishing the Women for Peace Tech. Could you tell us yeah. a little bit about what the organization does and where it operates within Pakistan? When I was working on the project that I, I told you about and we saw women who opened their houses and actually women opened their houses and we had these conflict resolution meetings in these women houses and because water is a very basic issue and women are directly affected because in rural areas they go and fetch water and they are responsible for such activities. So they opened their houses and they just made sure that men of the house abide by their peace agreements. In doing that I realized that women were very enthusiastic and they were very keen to learn technology. They were very keen to learn our processes around technology. And when I looked around, I couldn't see a lot of organizations working to train women in tech. A lot of women who are actually working in tech are trying to enhance women participation in tech. So that was one of the inspiration that made me co-found with my fellow peace activists, Women for Peace Tech. So Women for Peace Tech does a number of functions. First of all, we do advocacy through this platform on gender rights, on peace technology 
technology on general peace building measures and secondly we train women of the rural areas or women who have access to a simple mobile phone computers or internet but they don't have the abilities to either use it properly or do not have the skills to learn and to earn from this so basically we try to empower women economically through these skills so they can learn and earn their livelihood and uh, secondly uh, we are in process of building an app that is will be used as a reporting mechanism for uh, workplace harassment and will rank organizations according to that and will be published data and then uh, the organizations will be nudged and pushed to improve their workplace practices so that is the kind of work we do so it's quite interesting because I know that the work that Fray Intermedia does, for example, across the continent, that very often that we're looking at work in rural areas, there's a reluctance to actually use technology and a perception that, in fact, rural people don't really have access to technology. But you seem to be saying that, in fact, in a lot of communities that you're finding people do have access to mobile phones. And so it makes sense to be able to use the technology that is actually available. Yes, I mean, in Pakistan, at least, I've seen, like, I, I was also of the opinion that women, especially, or the rural area people do not like to use mobile phone, or they don't want to use any complex technology or any complex apps, but they are very, very, very enthusiastic. They do have, like, simple mobile phones. Everyone has it. Even if a woman in the house don't have it, usually they don't have their own mobile, but it's like a family mobile phone that is there and that is available for use for everyone in a rural household. So they are very keen to learn simple things, simple apps. For example, if there is an app that is telling them when it is going to rain, when it is good for the crops to be planted or how the weather is kind of things, they are willing to do that. And WhatsApp is being used quite a lot among these communities. And by teaching women, by teaching minorities, it helps them use this technology much better and it helps them strive to be part of the technological things that are happening around us. So one of the things that we've, we've discussed previously, Kira, is the whole issue of women in technology. And one of the things, in fact, that you've alerted me to is the fact that even as the number of jobs in technology has increased globally, the number of women in technology actually has increased. So I guess I have two questions, really. Why are there so few women in technology? And then how do we change that? How do we get more women into technology, producing the kind of technology that other women can use? I think it's true for the whole STEM thing in the world as well. You see a lot less women in STEM, in technology, because I think there is not a lot of encouragement for women when it comes to education to take up technology or computer sciences or things like that as studies. And there is lack of opportunities in some places, like I can say in Pakistan, there is not much 1% of women who are tech entrepreneurs in Pakistan and I think 2 or 3% women who are entrepreneurs. Secondly, there are like a lot of glass ceilings, there are a lot of uh, hurdles for women to enter into the workforce when it comes to tech. And thirdly, and I think it's the most important thing, that we don't have any role models. We have very few role models. When I was trying to establish this organization, I had to look very hard around me to find someone, find a model organization within Pakistan. I could count them on my hand. So uh, we need to have like more mentors. We need women right now to go into tech-based jobs. We have to create tech companies or the government if they want women in tech. And they have to create conducive environments where women are given equal opportunities like any other workplace. 
because if they arrest women they are sometimes sidelined they are sometimes not given importance or when they become mothers like i have um, recently become a mother so i can totally understand when you leave your workplace then your spot is just filled so easily and you don't have any conducive environment to go back to work so i think there are a lot of things that can be done including mentorship for women creating opportunities and encouraging girls to come into fields related to tech give them opportunities create specific places for women in tech maybe enforce quota if you have to for women until there are more women in the tech the things that you're raising here really are things that are active you have to do things you have to make a decision you have to it's not going to happen by itself i mean the the number of women in in technology is not going to increase by osmosis you really physically have to have a plan or a strategy in order to make sure that that gap is closing could you give us some examples of the best practices your organization has identified of getting women involved in peace building I think one thing that we really helped us was involving them. I mean if they are not speaking up even just having them on the table. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. Just get them on the table and they will eventually raise a voice. The biggest problem in our peace building practices here or when we work with communities or even I was seeing in the the Afghan peace process that is happening is that that you don't have women on the table. If you have women on the table they will give suggestions and sometimes a lot of problems especially in the rural areas when they pertain to agriculture or water involve women because women are a big although silent majority in agriculture practices and farming the lands or fetching the water so first thing was that we brought them to the table and then they started participate maybe involve more women peace builders who other women in the community feel comfortable with because most of the times these communities are very conservative so they might not want to interact with um, men peace builders it seems quite simple but it's quite important that you have more women peace builders more women in your organization secondly uh, design processes involving the stakeholders like ask them they know better ask them we ask these women that how they were comfortable getting included in this process and they suggested that okay let's use our houses because we cannot go out a lot there is restriction in mobility use the houses and you can have the negotiation practices between the conflict parties in our house and we will become the guarantors because that was the kind of influence they, they could exercise so i think involve the stakeholders ask them simply they know their communities they know their restrictions they would be in a better position to tell you what might work i think when it comes to tech we did not force it on the communities or the women or anyone we just offered them a solution that okay fine you know we are using this and this might work and they were willing to take it i think we shouldn't force solutions on communities like i said they most of the times know better you just need to support them you don't need to be intrusive because then they will resist if you force a peace building measure if you force a resolution on a community or anything it won't work it has to come from the community and you need to be supportive of that I mean those are really really good right and to so involve women peace builders in the process in order to encourage other women to get around the table and be involved design processes that include the stakeholders offer tech as an option so not to force um, solutions on them and then support don't impose those are really really practical steps how did you also work cura at helping women improve their own digital fluency you were talking about actually helping them to use the apps better was there a specific program that you actually implemented 
what we actually did my co-founder works with digital marketing skills and that is like another thing that we do like help them earn money so what we did like small sessions in the rural areas we went there and we simply taught them simple stuff initially like how to use a computer or if they don't have a computer most of the houses do not have computers as such but they do have mobile phones so how to use mobile phone to be part of simple learning and earning money and how to use it to access educational resources a lot of women were interested in that that how we can use for example youtube to access educational resources or how can we learn something specific and they were interested in earning money like how can they earn money when they sit at home and we taught them how to be an influencer and how to be part of something platform by writing something or by doing something or how to sell their product online how to set up a website for that reason so that was the kind of thing that was kind of need based things that we have done and it has not been very elaborate but we have been doing it on need based basis And looking ahead, what kind of issues is the um, Women for Peace Tech looking at down the line? We will continue giving trainings to women uh, in technology, but right now we are more focused on designing programs or apps or systems that deal with harassment, the workplace harassment, and especially trying to look at the non-formal workplaces. For example, women working in uh, small organizations or working in agricultural rural environment, which has not been documented, and it's not really easy for them to report harassment when they're working in fields alone. and something is happening so what happens is that nothing is done and with the fear of shame or retaliation by the males around them and that restricts them ability more so we are trying to work out a system to support such women to report harassment or such violent cases and connect in some way to the government so that action could be taken we are also looking at making this app that i was talking about and we intend to deal more with violence against women and empowering women through tech trainings and do more of the advocacy as well that's quite a interesting lot of projects that you've got going i want to before we wrap up though i really want to ask a personal question i mean you more than anyone understands what it's like to be in an environment that's sometimes often hostile and unwelcoming how do you sustain yourself how do you keep yourself going in an environment like that um i think i am self motivator and there is something that an elder of mine told me and it could have been worse whenever i'm in a hostile situation i just tell myself that you know could have been worse and my actions are making lives better and if i stop if i get demotivated i am letting other women and other people down if i keep telling myself that you have to do this it's going to be better and it could have been worse but it's not Do you see a global growth in women's involvement in peace building? Yeah, I think the world is realizing as you see from a lot of peace processes from Colombia like even from Rwanda and that now has the highest number of women in the parliament and even in Pakistan like I've seen women getting involved in peace building processes. So I think because we are more than women are more than 50% of the population so you have to involve more than half of the population in the peace processes because they are uh, affected. I see that yes slowly but gradually it is improving women are getting their places at the table and the world is seeing that it matters and evidence suggests women are involved in the peace building processes they are twice more sustainable than the processes that do not have women involved 
Thanks so much, Kira. That's been a really interesting conversation with some really practical tips for women who want to be involved in peace building in their communities. If our listeners want to read up more on what you're doing, is there somewhere that they could go? Yeah, we have a website, uh, Women for Peace Tech. They can go and it has links to advocacy and links to a project, all the activities that we do. Thanks so much, Kira. Thanks for joining us today from Islamabad and for giving us the time. And we hope to hear a lot more from you in future. Thank you so much, Paula. As we've heard, there are not enough women in science, technology, engineering and mathematics. And as workplace leaders, we need to help create environments conducive to encouraging women to join and stay in the sector. Kira Chulain's peacebuilding efforts use technology, even in rural communities, in order to accelerate change processes. She has the following peacebuilding tips. Firstly, we must review the community's access to technology and then use whichever technology is appropriate to the mission. Secondly, we can improve access to technology by building and training so that we can enhance the ability to use whichever platforms or applications are selected. Thirdly, peacebuilding requires active interventions. We need to have a plan, and this plan must include women at the table. And once women are there, we must ensure that there are spaces for them to speak and participate. And we can do that by including women peacebuilders as role models. Curatulain says communities must be involved in developing the processes for peacebuilding as they know better than anyone else what enablers and restrictions exist. You can find more information about the work we do and the Change Voices podcast on our website at freyintermedia.com where you can also sign up for the weekly newsletter targeted at women in leadership. Join the Change Voices conversation on all our social media platforms at Frey Intermedia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. As always, I would encourage you to let me know if you have any specific women in mind that you'd like to hear from. If you want to support this podcast, then please contact me directly at pfrey at freyintermedia.com or direct message me on social media. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on our conversations and rate us on whichever platform you happen to be listening in. Thank you for joining us for today's discussion. Until next time, let's lead. Let's lead.